Here we go. I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL. I did. Truly I laughed out loud. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. <laughs> is that Twitter? Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is This, this is This is life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. Hey, I'm so glad you found today's show. It's nice that we get to spend a little bit of time together. You're able to listen to today's show because of Cure International. They're sponsoring this podcast. They also sponsor my new radio show, and they are busy in 30 countries with hospitals that are helping children today with disabilities find healing and hope through Jesus Christ. You can find out more about Cure when you have a moment. Come to lifewithlisawilliams.com. And now make him feel welcome. It's Dwight Bain. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, I just um, had my very favorite breakfast, but I had it for lunch because I'm, I'm running late today. Can I tell you about it? Is this that McDonald's you can get breakfast all day thing? Because I haven't tried it yet, and I thought, what a fantastic idea. <laughs> right? No, I'm, I'm in my house snowed in with my children. It's a snow ah, day. <laughs> snow day. That's better than an Egg McMuffin. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know. I, I kind of wish I could run away to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but I had gluten-free bread. I just am so in love with this. I have to tell somebody. It's gluten-free bread that's really yummy, toasted. And then almond butter, sliced bananas, and honey. Oh, and that's that's fair. Oh my word! I want some of that. Save me a piece. Every day I have. Wow. And adding the honey kind of took it over the top of calories, but it just made it so good. It's just so good. Okay, I have a question about your name. What what kind of name is Dwight Bain? Where does this name come from? Um. Okay, so let me tell you a story, then I'll answer your question. I have a coffee cup. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get it. I saved it because this is fantastic because Sheila said, boy, they nailed you. All right, so so here it is. I saved it from uh, Starbucks, you know, because you walk in Starbucks and they go, ah, what's your name, right? Yeah. And on the, my cup, I'm holding it in my hand. I wish I could screenshot it to you right now. Starbucks cup, and it's spelled <laughs> D-U-H-W-H-I-T-E. Duh, white. <laughs> And so I get my cup, and I'm like, you are kidding me. And, of course, it's Starbucks. They're busy. They're college students. And I thought I probably didn't say it right. And then so it's kind of entertaining to me, and I'm looking at it right now. And and so I call Sheila from whatever airport I was at, and I said, can you believe they spelled my name Duh White? And she said, wow, they nailed you. (laughs) That's spot on. Duh and White. (laughs) Duh. White. He's just kind of slow. So the name Dwight. Um, the origin of the name is the fair haired or light one. Okay, great. Um, but my mom named me Dwight after Dwight Moody, the great <gasps> evangelist. Really? Wow. Yep. So I was born during the Eisenhower administration. So everybody thought, well, she named him after the president. You know, like all those people who named their, 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 their son, hopefully not daughter Obama or named their son, hopefully not daughter George W. Well, they thought I was named after the president. No, I'm named after an evangelist, a really cool guy named Dwight yeah. Moody. He went yeah. by the initials D.L. Moody, and really, God used him to change two continents. Pretty powerful guy to be named yeah. after. Yeah, seriously. That right there, that we could put a um, a bow on this show and go home now. Dwight's named <laughs> after Dwight Moody. That's a big deal. 
Well, it's, really it's, it's huge to have a legacy. And our office yeah. manager is from Nigeria, and she's so incredible because of her multicultural, you know, she's lived on three continents, and, and she's able to help me see things because in her country, you put tremendous thought yes. into naming a child. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you put, and, and that name is a blessing. So every mm-hmm. time that person mm-hmm. is called by their name, it's a blessing. If every time I'm called by my name, I hear, you're named after Dwight Moody, a great evangelist. Your parents dedicated you to the Lord at three years old for Christian service. If I heard that, I would go, whoa, I want to do something great for God today. Okay, what about Bane? Where's that it come from? It means soap. It's, um, soap. There's an English version, and there's a Scottish version, and there's a French version. But the word soap, if you've ever been to France or you've lived in, in Quebec, you know that um, Bane uh, is a lotion or a soap. Right. Oh, okay. So apparently when we go back into the Middle Ages of where names came from, then um, it was somebody, I guess, having to deal with, you know, that industry. Who knows? When they came to the United States in the late 1800s, they dropped the S or the ES, depending on which part of England they were from. And so, um, you know, it's been that short ever since. Now, I guess the bigger question would be, where are we going with this? I'm just so curious. My kids are here, are home from school and they're trying to show me things that they were drawing. They've made a comic book in the last hour while I was working. Cool. And so cool and hilarious. And I, and I kept saying, I can't look at this. I have to eat my toast and talk to Dwight Bain. I have to talk to Dwight Bain. And then as I kept saying it, I was like, Dwight Bain. That's an interesting name. And after knowing you for 20 years, I've never thought about it. So I thought I'd ask. Well, I'll tell you the, the, the every single day of my life, I am called Dwayne because people blend the two. <laughs> Dwayne Bain. <laughs> yeah, 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 Dwayne, Dwayne. And then, and then I'll look, you know, I get that look on my face because it's every day of my life. And people who have names that are, that are maybe a little different or whose names are habitually mispronounced, you know, they have a, an appreciation and an understanding, perhaps why people on the Donner Party said we eat him first. He goes first. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe you keep making Donner jokes. You're what snowed in. I, you don't realize how nervous I am. That, that the dog may get nervous and, and uh, you guys are goners. And it's like, whatever happened to Lisa Wins? I don't know. But Seriously? that dog sure has a look on his face. You have a macabre sense of humor. <laughs> I don't know how to take it. But I think it's kind of funny. And that makes me nervous about it, myself. It, no, it makes me nervous that you're snowed in. It's <laughs> okay. like, you know, I've never been snowed in before, but it makes me nervous. I'm in Florida where it's sunny and 75 degrees. And it's like, you know, my friend Lisa is in danger. Her children's lives may be in jeopardy. I don't know how this works. Snowed in, to me, equals like a hurricane. It's like bad. No, it's okay. We have shovels, and we have a freezer full of food, and we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Tomorrow, here's the thing that nobody says about Colorado. It's the sunniest state. I know Dwight lives in the sunshine state. You're making this up. No, three over 300 days a year of sunshine in Denver. So everybody's like, oh, you don't want to move to Denver because it's so cold and snowy. Really? No, you don't want to move to South Dakota because it's cold and snowy. You want to live in Denver because it'll all be gone, man. I mean, the sun comes up and all of the snow that's on the, like, the pavement it just it just melts, and then the beautiful white snow is left on the grass and trees, and it's just gorgeous. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, sunny. something it's that's state. gorgeous after something that's snowed in? Okay. I'll take that. I'm not as worried then. I was deeply concerned, gravely okay. concerned, seriously concerned, and now not so much. I'm okay. still going to call it Donner Toast when I make it, though. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. So we're going to pivot now, and everybody says a big hallelujah into into this um these words beauty from ashes i've asked dwight 
to see, it's really a good thing when you ask Dwight to open up his heart on a, on a topic or a concept, because after being a counselor for three decades and he, he's a writer, he's a speaker, he's a, he's a dear friend. He is uh, been in broadcasting for forever. Um, when, when you kind of hone in on something and give him a few days to think about it, um, you get gold out of his soul and I need gold every day. So I'm glad to talk to Dwight today and I'm glad that you're listening. But when you think of beauty from ashes, those words spoken prophetically over Jesus from um, Isaiah 61, mm-hmm. uh, what comes to mind to you, Dwight? Luke chapter four, because when you look at Isaiah 61 and it's that phrase, but it's also um it's a powerful, powerful prophecy that happens hundreds of years before Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because, listen, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, and it goes on to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, uh, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And this whole 61st chapter is meaningful to me because way before I went to school to be trained as a counselor, I had read that, but not in Isaiah 61. I read that in Luke 4 because Mm -hmm. that's the verses that Jesus expressed as he began his public ministry. He was Mm -hmm. 30 years old. And he goes to the synagogue and he reads those verses. And that was his mission statement. And so I've always looked at that selection of scripture, which is recorded twice when Jesus reads it in Luke 4, when Isaiah wrote it in Isaiah 61, because it's here's what happens when you bring God into the scene. You go from brokenness to restoration. You go from, from grief to joy. When you bring God into a situation, and many times that's when people will go to a counselor. That's when they'll talk to a friend. It's not because they really are thinking about where does God fit in my life. They're not really thinking about maybe a lot of things. But when it's the cancer diagnosis, when it's, no, you're going to serve with divorce papers, when it's your home's in foreclosure, in desperation, brokenness, in pain, in deep grief and loss, that person cries out and God hears. Beauty from ashes, notice it starts with ashes. Uh-huh. And yeah. sometimes in the middle of the incredible brokenness is when I can see what matters. I've talked to people who, when when they realized they were losing a relationship or an adult child who was never going to talk to them again, it's like, why did I waste so much time? Why did I take so much for granted when I'm able to see in the middle of all the ashes what really matters? There's a a, a little book, I didn't keep it. But it was after the terrorist attacks of 9-11, and I saw it in a bookstore, and I, and I guess I didn't buy it. Um, but it was emails and voicemails, transcripts of people who were in the towers before they fell, because those towers didn't fall down for about an hour after the planes hit them. Right. And, and people um, called, and if you knew it was going to be the last time you ever talked to somebody, you didn't talk about, hey, you didn't take the recyclables out to the curb, and, and, and you would say, I love you. Here's what I'm, here's what I want you to do. Here's the kind of life I want you to have. Because if you knew that it was the last words, you'd really listen. Well, these are the first words where Jesus starts his public ministry. And anybody who's around ministry 
here's what ministry needs to be focused on. We're, you know, you're dealing with maybe you or other people that you talk to and their life is just in ashes. It's just shattered, but we can find beauty in ashes because that's when we find out what matters. That's when we find out what's most important. That's when you find out what your priority is. There, there's an old song. When you come to the place where God is all you have, you'll find God's all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, when Jesus starts his ministry, he said, this, this is what happens when you invite God in. And then he, went on for three and a half years and showed exactly what that looks like. And and to me, that's what each of us need to focus on, mm-hmm. uh, of how can I help comfort those who mourn? And how can I help those who grieve find joy again? And see, the whole process, Lisa, is moving. It's a contrast from really, really bad, painful, to amazing restoration. And in fact, he finishes out that 61st chapter of Isaiah saying, you know what? Everybody's going to be blessed. And here's what it's going to look like. You're going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water and you will never go without. It's this unbelievable prophecy of restoration. Oh, so good. It's so good to think about Jesus. While um, Dwight was talking, I could see Jesus in my mind's eye there in the synagogue, standing up and reading these words and starting his ministry time. It, and talk about a mic drop. Right. I mean, like he stands up and he reads those words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he sat down and every eye, it says, was fastened on him. (laughs) Just like what a moment where he definitively said, this is what I've come to do. And what a tragic ashes story of what happens to him. I mean, talk about, golly, leading the way. I mean, he died. I mean, he didn't go, and I'm going to build a building, and we're going to have 500 employees, and we're going to have a kicking logo, and we're going to do big events, and we're going to have cool t-shirts. I mean, it's like, he went out amongst the lepers and the prostitutes and he went out and touched people and loved people. And then he, he died a gruesome death. And out of that death came the most beautiful thing that exists will ever be, which is his life and the life that he gives us. I mean, he is, he is beauty from ashes. Yep. You know? Yep. And remember too, the people who, who stood as he was being crucified. And it was mostly the women and uh, the one disciple, John, the youngest, and the rest had run away because they were so scared of the authorities. And they saw brokenness. They saw blood. They saw his death. And then can you imagine how they were forever transformed? It's one of the most powerful, interesting psychological shifts in the Bible because here you have these, you know, pretty much everybody who, you know, loved to see the miracles and loved the, you know, the free, you know, uh, you know, food when he would, you know, turn, right. you know, you know, you know, he, you know, everybody gets to eat their fill or water into wine. And it's like, you know, oh my gosh, you, you know, you gave this blind person their, their sight. Everybody loved the stories and the excitement. Rah, rah, it's great. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, the soldiers are coming and there's persecution and literally just about everybody cuts and runs. But the ones who saw him die, the eyewitnesses, and then three days later saw him alive, they weren't afraid of the authorities anymore. Because they had seen, when you see ashes and you see the beauty out of ashes, you can't unsee it. When I can see how God can heal and God can restore, 
a broken life, I can never unsee that. And it gives me an incredible confidence and an incredible boldness and an incredible power. Uh, I'm here in my, in my office, Lisa, there's a, a bookshelf and a basketball that Pat Williams gave me right when he was in the middle of his cancer treatment. And he wrote a message on it. And at that time, some people weren't even sure that he would survive. He had an, a non-curable cancer. And now it's three years later, and I'm looking at that basketball, and Pat's alive, and he's healthy because believing prayer, the book of James, James chapter 5 says, if you have believing prayer, that you will be healed. Now, not everybody who gets cancer gets healed, but I see Patty's in my Sunday school class. I see him every week, and he's healed, and he's restored because of believing prayer. And it's interesting And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for our time. He even wrote a book about it, in fact, because he said, if I had to do over again, I'd still walk the cancer journey because it's given me an incredible opportunity on every news network, on ESPN, everywhere, to be able to openly talk about my faith in Christ. He said, it's like cancer has allowed me to have an opportunity to speak to people I would never had a chance to speak to before. Mm -hmm. Wow. Beauty from ashes. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's maybe I got fired and, and, and through getting fired and losing our house, I was able to go in a new direction and I can see now, wow, God used this beauty from ashes. Now, if you're on the other side of it, if you're in the beauty part, it's like, wow, this is fantastic. What a miracle story. Now I understand. I understand how God used our daughter's pregnancy and how all of that changed her entire high school. I get it. But remember, if you're in if you're in the ashes, you're not thinking about that right now. No. You know, if the bill collectors no. are calling your house and they're coming to tow your car out of the driveway because it's being repossessed, you're not thinking about beauty. You're thinking about God, I'm kind of mad at you right now. And why won't you rescue me? And why won't you fix me? And why won't you fix this? And this isn't what I signed on for, God, because if you signed on for the God of religion, the God of comfort, The God who says, I will make sure you never, ever, ever get trapped in a bad situation. Then you missed out on what the Bible teaches because he doesn't, he doesn't protect us from all of that. He allows us to go through it and shows that his grace is sufficient. Some of the greatest people in the Bible endured the greatest test. And it wasn't because God didn't love them. It's because when you go through a greater test and you get more ashes, listen, you get more beauty. You yeah. want to see amazing supernatural things. And I, some, I know some incredibly godly people, but it's on the other side of all the ashes. And I'm not sure that sometimes people, it's like, I want that level of faith. I want that kind of confidence. I want that kind of boldness. I want that kind of assurance of who God is. I want a, a Rich Mullins, a Billy Graham kind of faith, but oh, I don't want to go through those tests. Well, you don't get that kind of beauty. It's a one-to-one correlation until you get that kind of ashes. And ashes come after the fire and after the destruction. But eventually the growth will happen again. And that's the good news of the rest of that chapter, Lisa. Yes. Is because the prophecy is this place will be literally like a lavishly, beautifully decorated garden of this incredible, incredible, incredible resources. Everybody in the world will go, wow. And everybody in my world or your world on the other side of the big test, on the other side of the big burn, the big fire, when the ashes are everywhere, and you think, man, this is all over. If you just walk with God, beauty after the ashes. It's a journey. It's not that we stop today and and that's it, God, and I'm mad at everybody and my life, you know, sucks. It's no, 
just walk with God. Because when you do that, you'll find a level of beauty and deep appreciation. At least I think of, I think of so many people I've seen on the other side of an affair, on the other side of some kind of major trauma in their marriage, and they get to the other side and they love each other with a depth that's, that's hard to describe. Because they've seen the brokenness and they got to the other side with God's help. That takes two people that want to go there. But man, it's beautiful to watch. Or or for some people, the broken relationship with a teenager who rebels. I've got a friend and and his daughter rebelled and had babies out of wedlock and ran away from her parents. and, And literally 16, 17, they didn't see her for years. But when she came home and they restored and her mom and daddy prayed for her every day, their relationship's one of the closest I've seen, and this girl's now probably in her middle 30s because it was restored. So the beauty and the depth and people who don't really know the story, and they'll go, man, I wish my daughter really loved us and hung out with us that much and had that kind of a deep friendship. And what they don't see is they didn't see the fire, and they didn't see the years of Christmases and birthdays and Mother's Days that nobody called. They didn't see that. You don't see that kind of beauty You don't see that kind of growth until there's been some big ashes. And I don't know what stage somebody listening to the program today is at, but I wish I was sitting at the table with them. We could say, hey, I understand. And if you're in the middle of the fire, I want you to hang on because God's promise is that there would be beauty after this fire. And it's not easy and it's not fast. But if you'll press on with God and be around some godly people, and here's a bigger thing, Lisa, sometimes, and I'll say this for me, maybe maybe it'll help other people too. When I'm in the middle of some, you know, sinful resentment, I'm mad at the world kind of mindset, I'm still in the fire. And so what you don't want to do if you're in a fire, don't set more fires. If something's burning <laughs> down in your life financially, don't, you know, go take your credit card and run down to the store because you got $17 of available credit on your Discover card and spend $16.52 because you're trying to escape the pressure. Now, if you're in a fire, stop setting fires. Amen. Yeah, I never had that thought before, but that's a pretty good thought, isn't it? That's a good thought. That's the kind of thoughts that come out when we have these conversations. And you know, it's, it's that or the, the gluten Donner toast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when I think of the word beauty as, you know, as Dwight has been talking, the word beauty really stands out that it is, it's a dimensional word. It's, it's deep and, and it's, um, there's a lot of facets to it. Beauty's not just, oh, isn't that beautiful? Be- beautiful, like, holds a depth to it. And maybe it's the depth of beauty that really does come after, like you were describing in that relationship with the daughter and her parents. There's a depth of, of beauty. It's a beautiful relationship. And those things don't just happen. They come out of, you know, I could even say the love I have for my sons. It's a, it's a beautiful love that we have. But I was infertile for 20 years. You know, I mean, I look at my kids and the, the, the feelings I have for them is like, like a prism of love. It's so beautiful. Um, how I feel towards my children. Yeah. And I think that maybe that beauty comes from ashes, you know? Yeah. The people who have survived some type of a serious health crisis, they wake up and have good days because they know what it's like to have been in the hospital for a long time. And it's like, you know what? I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad I can breathe. I'm glad my heart works. I'm glad my kidneys work. I'm glad. And, and the incredible thing when somebody has seen the, the, the horrible dark side and they're able to see, wow, my life is better. Beauty, beauty something. And when I think about beauty from ashes, 
I've met some of the most beautiful people during their chemotherapy because I got to see them. And so our culture says beauty is a certain body image instead of no, 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 no. Beauty is what somebody looks like when they've lost everything and they're able to say, let me tell you what I believe. You know, wow. hair and makeup, yeah. I can make anybody look a certain way. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of different websites that show celebrities without makeup and, and hair and celebrities with hair and makeup, you know, done. And yeah, the one looks, the one looks, you know, better to our culture. But in reality, I don't want to be around hair and makeup. I don't want to be around an image. I want to, I want something that's truly beautiful and beauty. Beauty is when you're able to, to be next to an aging parent who's about to die and their body is frail. And there, and, and, and there's all kinds of things happening with their body, but you see the, you see this incredible peace and power in their eyes. I saw at least with um, Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade, and, and he was on an oxygen, um, uh, breather device because of his lung disease. And the last time I saw him, he, I said, you know, you know, Bill, we're praying for you. And he said, <sighs> and he was taking these big breaths because he couldn't, he couldn't get a full breath. And he went, <sighs> Brother, Dwight, let me pray over you. And Lisa, I kneeled down because he was in this little wheelchair. Oh and he put his Lord, hands Dwight. on me while sucking air. And he prayed over me. And I thought, I, I, I just didn't even know what to think. Now, that's beautiful. But that's beautiful. That's what beauty that's, looks like. That's beauty in having some powerful, strong, healthy person say, well, I'll pray for you, brother. I don't even remember, but I'll never forget where I was at when I kneeled down and a man was sucking wind and still prayed over me. And I thought, I want that kind of faith. That's beauty from ashes. That's my body is failing, but my spirit will soar. That's what I want. That's the path I choose. And, and that's why I live the way that I do and why I love these conversations.